Injuries have been a significant hurdle for Seattle's 2023 draft class so far, but it looks like there could be some good news on the horizon with the season opener coming up on Sunday. Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking it all down on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, the host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined on this Tuesday edition by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Sumner, Washington, or the great country of Switzerland. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We are getting closer and closer to the season opener. Tomorrow will be the first regular season practice of the year for the Seahawks. They get today off. We're going to be taking a closer in-depth look at a new look. Los Angeles Rams heading towards the opener on Sunday. And we're going to cap things off with our defensive predictions. We had offense yesterday. We're going to be to the good side of the football, the defensive side of the ball. We'll be having some predictions for the 2023 season on today's episode as well, which is brought your way by our friends over at Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked in NFL or enter the promo code locked on NFL for a free water bottle with any order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Now for your lead story here on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Over the past month and change, I know that fans have been getting frustrated because it seems like the entire rookie class for the Seahawks has at some point been battling an injury, and several players have had significant injuries. Jackson Smith and Jigba broke his wrist, needed surgery. Mike Morris, Cameron Young, they've been sidelined for multiple weeks. Devin Witherspoon hadn't practiced until yesterday from August 7th, dealing with a hamstring injury. It's felt like this entire draft class has been banged up. But if you are looking for some good news heading towards Sunday's opener, most of these injured rookies look to be on the mend, including Devin Witherspoon. But we'll get to him in a moment because as important as the number five overall pick is for this football team, Rob, we know how thin the Seahawks are at defensive tackle. And seeing Cameron Young and Mike Morris both in the stretch lines with a helmet yesterday. We don't know if they practiced much after that point, but that is a positive step forward for the two rookies who are going to be counted on to play big roles for this new look defensive line. Yeah, it is a huge development for Seahawks uh, that they are able to get their these two rookies back just because of the size, the physicality, the toughness that they have demonstrated uh, at the college level, at big-time college level. And we talked about this. While there was certainly a lot of consternation out there from Seahawks fans about would Seattle's rookies be ready to go, um, you know, I, I was – I was fairly confident just in, in looking at the body language of Pete Carroll um, that there was some positivity. There was some optimism that they might be able to get back sooner rather than later. As you said, Corbin, and I think rightly so. We don't know if this means that either one of those two players, much less both of them, are going to be able to make their NFL debuts this, this Sunday against the LA Rams. But it certainly looks like they have passed the threshold in terms of being placed on any type of, of injury list to start the season they are expected to play very very early and and I would I would 
point out as well, Daryl Taylor, the fact that he is expected to come back. I think that is just as big of news, even though obviously he doesn't play that run stuffing presence. I think his ability as a pass rusher off the edge is going to make Seattle's defense that much more formidable. Yeah, this Seahawks defensive line has a chance to be at full strength on Sunday. If they can get young Morris and Daryl Taylor back and able to contribute, and I would expect them both or all three of those guys coming off injuries that they are going to have pitch counts, especially a player like Daryl Taylor, who is coming off what looked to be a pretty significant shoulder sprain. So they are going to be judicious with the reps for these guys. But if you could, even if you can get 10, 12 rush attempts from Daryl Taylor in a situational role. We saw what he can do with that last year, late in the season with that flurry of sacks that he had. So that would be a big deal. I just think, though, when you look at the depth chart, Boy Mafe is still listed number one. The new depth chart the Seahawks have on their website, he is still listed as a starter, as he should be. He has earned that spot. You've got Derek Hall, the second-round pick. You obviously have a Chenoweth-Osu. You've got Tyreek Smith. Levi Bell is waiting on the practice squad to call up. So it feels like the depth at that position is pretty darn good, and you have a lot of young talent with upside. The defensive line and the interior, on the other hand, you do have some high upside guys. You, you spent all that money on Draymond Jones. You brought back Jaron Reed. But at the same time, if you don't have Mike Morris or Cameron Young, you're going to have to promote Matt Gotell, and who knows what they're going to do at the other defensive tackle spot because they don't have any other DTs on their practice squad right now. They didn't bring back Jacob Sykes. They didn't bring back Roger Perry. I mean, you could sign those guys real quick. They're still available as free agents, but they just don't have much depth. So if you're even missing one of those guys, it really limits what you can do in terms of rotations. And in the first game, you want to be able to keep guys fresh because none of these guys have played four quarters up to this point. Yeah, I would push back on that just a little bit just because of Mario Edwards. I think that his ability to slide inside, I think that he also can play that spot if you need him to. Um, and then again, I just think that you, you paid Draymond Jones all that money, as you uh, you know mentioned. Um, you know, you're expecting him to be the guy. You're expecting him to play significant numbers and uh, or significant snaps, excuse me. And then with Jaron Reed, you're talking about one, at least in my opinion, one of the toughest guys in all of the NFL. So sure, if you were suddenly to uh, suffer injuries to a couple of different players who have not not shown themselves to be injury prone, then I think that that would be a concern. But uh, again, the, these are our vet, our veterans that have shown the, their size, the physicality that you need um, to be successful there. They have shown that they are durable players. And then in the case of, of Cameron Young and Mike Morse, again, the same thing, obviously it was at the college level, but neither of them struggled with durability. Both of them demonstrate the physicality that you're looking for. So it, it is a group that uh, if you have any type of injuries, it could lead you to be a little bit concerned. I, I don't have that much concern for them in terms of the, the reason the, the opponents you're going to be facing early in the year. When you start talking about the San Francisco 49ers, the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, teams that have bigger, more physical fronts, um, then I think that there is some concern. Maybe even Detroit Lions in week two, uh, you know, just because they have a terrific offensive line as well. But at this point in the season, I think that the Seahawks basically are entering the season as, you know, as healthy and as happy as you possibly could be. And I'm going to push back to your pushback because I am concerned because Mario Edwards and Draymond Jones are probably going to be playing your three tech spots. This really closes down your playbook. If you're concerned about playing all three of those guys at the same time, your bare fronts go out the window, especially if you don't have Cameron Young available to rotate at that nose tackle spot. That leaves you Miles Adams. And if 
Mike Morris is healthy enough. If you bring up Matt Gotell, he is strictly a nose tackle in this defense. So I don't want to say it's end of the world. It is week one and the Rams. They are not necessarily known for having an elite run game. Their O-line has been a struggle for them the last couple of years. So yeah, maybe this is the right opponent to make sure you nurse these guys back at the same time. I am a little bit concerned just because there are depth concerns at that position. There's no doubt about it. What I am optimistic about, though, I know that the Seahawks last week, Pete Carroll made it sound like it was a long shot, and maybe it still is. But seeing Devin Witherspoon out there, he's been running. He's been taking part in practice and walkthroughs. It feels like he is where he needs to be. Now, we'll see where he's at tomorrow, what Pete Carroll says. I bet he's not going to give much of an update because it is regular season coachmanship. But – I am optimistic about Devin Witherspoon having a chance to play this weekend. And maybe I'm wrong thinking that, but I just feel like the gamer that we know this kid is and the fact that they have really slow played this, I have a feeling he's going to be chomping the bit to get out there and prove on the practice field, hey, coaches, I'm ready to play this week. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Uh, you know, and John Schneider does as well. I mean, he said it himself that, you know, he almost feels like the, the Seahawks may have to try and govern uh, Devin Witherspoon just a little bit because you know that he wants to get onto the field. And again, it's, it's that physicality. It's that um, the consistency that we saw against elite competition that, to me, um, you know, eases any concern that I might have uh, about Seattle's, uh, you know, perceived lack of depth here. And the one last thing I would say about this, and one of the things that I think is kind of counter to how I felt about the Seahawks maybe a month ago is just a just a reminder about how explosive Seattle's offense can be again if this is a, a team like a year ago that I personally had all kinds of concerns about whether Seattle was going to be able to score many, very many points then I did have a lot of concerns about hey if, if another an opposing team is just going to be able to run the ball down your throat and if you struggle to score points then how are you going to be able to kind of counter that but Seattle in my opinion is going to have one of the most explosive offenses in all of the NFL if you jump ahead like the, the Kansas City Chiefs for example you jump ahead of teams they don't have the ability to run the ball down your throat you are going to want to have guys who are in that more than that 270 280 pound range to be the pass rushers i think that's when seattle decided to dedicate the amount of money they did to draymond jones to me that signaled a real shift in this club rather than going for guys like al woods you know who are the run stuffers instead focusing your big dollars on those pass rushers because i think the seattle is anticipating they're going to be ahead of these games and they want to have their pass rushers be able to finish them off rather than having these run stuffers that don't give you much in terms of the pass rush that would be the ideal blueprint. Go out and score two or three quick touchdowns and make it that the Rams or whoever you were playing says, wait, I can't run the ball much. Make them one dimensional by force with the scoreboard. Obviously, that's ideal, but we know that that's not always easy to do. This is the NFL. So if the offense is not clicking on all cylinders to open the season, that you better hope that your run defense is able to hold up. And so that defensive line, if they get Morris and Young back, I'm feeling much better. Even if just one of them is feeling much better, if they're both out, that creates some significant hurdles to me in terms of defensive line and depth. Coming up next, we're going to be taking a closer look at that team. The Seahawks are going to be battling a familiar foe. The Rams coming to Lumen Field on Sunday, a much different looking Rams team aside from a handful of players. We will be breaking down some X's and O's and personnel groupings on the Rams heading into the opener on Sunday. Coming up next here on our Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks, which is brought your way by our friends at Bird Dogs. Putting it simply, Bird Dogs make you look and feel good. You won't want to take them off. 
Bird Dog's stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. Unlike regular shorts, Bird Dogs aren't made of a stiff, restricting cotton, keeping you comfortable year-round. Take my word for it, whether I'm heading to L.A. to cover a tough road game or chilling at my house preparing for a podcast like today, I'm always sporting Bird Dog shorts and joggers because they are extremely comfortable, don't restrict movement while keeping the slim look. We all certainly need that. And the sweat wicking fabric keeps me cool and dry all day long, no matter the elements. I can't recommend Bird Dogs enough. You'll want to wear them all day, every day. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL and enter the promo code LockedOnNFL for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL or promo code LockedOnNFL for a free Bird Dogs water bottle. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. For all of our listeners, you also want to check this out. We have this on our Locked on NFL YouTube channel, as well as other platforms for our podcast. The Locked on Ultimate NFL Season Preview officially here. It's a seven-episode extravaganza, opinions, analysis, plenty of debate from all 32 of our Locked on NFL hosts. With added insights from our national experts, it's a can't-miss series before the season kicks off. Catch every episode on Locked on NFL on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Rob, we've got the season opener finally coming up on Sunday. We're inside a week until the Seahawks will be kicking off against the Rams in the Pacific Northwest. Everybody's getting fired up for a season that's carrying very high expectations for the Seahawks. And the opponent that's coming to town, the Rams, they're in a similar situation where the Seahawks were a year ago. Expectations are pretty low because they lost a ton of players during free agency. They traded away Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in the NFL. Bobby Wagner came back to Seattle, so they don't have him. Leonard Floyd's gone. A Sean Robinson, I can keep rolling. They lost a ton of talent, and they might not have Cooper Cup in this football game either because he's dealing with a hamstring injury. But you and I both know, Rob, when we're talking about this Rams team that is coached by Sean McVay, one of the mad scientists in the NFL, they always seem to give the Seahawks a good game, even without their quarterback, Matthew Stafford, last year. Both games were extremely competitive. So fans that are expecting that this Rams offense is going to come in and roll over uh, – maybe you should change your viewpoint a little bit because I think this team is still going to be good as long as they can keep their star players healthy on the offensive side of the ball. Well, and that's the big question is because, as you just mentioned, uh, Cooper Cup, of course, is out. Matthew Stafford is coming off of, of a season in which he just didn't look like he had the same zip on his fastball. Um, you know, and so those to me are the, are the two biggest concerns that the Rams have to address uh, along their offensive line. They've got some youth. They've got some relatively inexperienced players up there. Uh, you know, they're going to be starting a, a rookie themselves. Steve Avila, a player that we and I talked a lot about, is 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 projected to be their starter at the left guard position uh right next to him is going to be joe noteboom uh and, and aj or excuse me alaric jackson is likely to also get some time he, he saw a lot of time as the starting left tackle early in the preseason as well so i, I do think that this is going to be interesting to see how the la rams kind of line up and what they try to do here because if they don't have cooper cup then then who is going to be the focus of the passing game for matthew stafford is it going to be van jefferson is it going to be a, a 
two two out. Well, it's going to be a former BYU and University of Washington wide receiver Puka Nakua who made some splashy plays over the preseason. Is it going to be the tight end? We know how much the tight ends, especially the Rams tight ends, have been a bugaboo for the Seahawks. So to me, that's one of the interesting things here about this. But as you said, really, what it comes down to is Sean McVay. I mean, the man is a magician, and so I am just kind of fascinated to see if he sticks with the same personnel groupings, the same alignments that he has done in the past, or as he starts to shift some things, because among the among the people who are no longer with the Rams, it's not just on the player person or the, the, the player personnel side, it's some of the coaches as well. Yeah, they brought in, uh, brought back uh, Matt LaFleur. Uh, he is going to be the offensive coordinator, and he was with the Jets in the same role the last couple of years. And we know the Jets, they've been very hit and miss with their offense, but we know the quarterback situation. There's a reason that they went out and got Aaron Rodgers this offseason. So it's like any season opener, even with a familiar opponent like the Rams, Sean McVay, there's going to be some principles there that I don't expect are going to disappear. For one thing, expect a ton of 11 personnel. He's kind of the godfather of 11 personnel. 90% of their first down snaps last year, they were in. 11 personnel with one tight end, one running back, and three receivers. Even if Cooper Cup's not playing, I don't expect that to change. I also expect them to be under center a lot because we know that art of deception that they like to do with Sean McVay's offense. I'm not expecting that's going to change with Lafleur coming back and taking the reins as the offensive coordinator. McVay is still going to have his hands in on that. I expect we're still going to see a lot of jet sweeps. I think where we could really see differences, though, Rob, is in the run game. And Pro Football Focus, I thought this was a really interesting article they came out with last week that the Rams actually ranked fifth in the NFL in running duo concepts last year where you're trying to get as many double teams up front as you can. It's not your traditional power or anything like that, but it's a it's a gap scheme, double team frenzy. See if you can create some downhill running lanes. The Rams have not ran that very much in the past, but they ranked in the top five last year in that concept. Matt LaFleur with the Jets was dead last with his team, three and a half percent. So I am expecting that we are going to see the Rams get back to being a very heavy mid zone and outside zone running football team. And there's not going to be near as much of those duo concepts that quite frankly, league wide have not worked as well for most of the teams in the NFL. Anyway, I expect them to get back to that zone game, particularly the mid zone that has been so dangerous in Sean McVay's offense. So that's just my expectation. We'll see what the Rams have up their sleeves. I'm anticipating there's going to be a few differences here, but uh, certainly getting Matthew Stafford back. We know he loves to throw to receivers and they are going to be taking advantage. Even if Cooper cup's not there, I expect there's going to be plenty of things that we've seen in the past, but there will be some new wrinkles, particularly in the run game. Oh, no, no question about it. Uh, but it's still going to be Cam Akers is going to be the primary ball carrier for the Rams. Kyron Williams is likely to be the backup at that point. Um, you mentioned the double team blocking, um, the dual concepts. And I think that that is something that does translate better to the NFC West just because of the dominant defensive linemen that you see in the NFC West. Now, obviously, the best one, is, at least in the interior guys, is Aaron Donald, who, of course, plays for the Rams. Similar situation with the New York Jets. Um, you know, it, Quinn Williams was the best defensive lineman there. But you look at the, some of the other players in that division, there's not a lot of dominant defensive linemen. I think the Seattle is actually better suited to handle it this year than they would have been last year. Of course, one of those Rams players that was, uh, you know, 
that is now in Seattle is Bobby Wagner. And, and Seattle is going to be a little bit more savvy at the linebacker position than perhaps they were a year ago. I think, as you mentioned before, we're expecting Boye Mafe to get the start outside at the outside linebacker in the spot opposite Uchenna Nuosu. He's already proven himself to be a little bit more consistent in the running game than Daryl Taylor was a year ago, presumably at least. And so I, I think, that, again, I do believe that Seattle is better suited to be able to hand these dual concepts and the double team blocking that we do expect the Rams to continue to use. But it's going to be I think that's one of the things that's always important is that you can be as cute as you want to be with the X's and O's. It really does still come down to the Jimmy's and Joe's. And do the Los Angeles Rams have the guys up front and the running back to be able to to control the line of scrimmage the way they have in the past years? I don't think that they do. That's why I think that the Seattle is going to be able to kind of hold up against the the Rams, uh, you know, aggressive schematic design. But the one worry we have to have, because the Seahawks have never been able to stop that jet sweep against the Rams, it feels like the Rams could bring the milkman in off the sidelines and they could run jet sweeps against the Seahawks. We'll see if that changes this year. I expect that it's still going to be a big part of the game plan because it seems like it always is for Sean McVay, regardless of who has the OC title. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, as you mentioned, you know, we could sit here and we can talk scheme, and I'll throw some numbers out here in a minute, but it really is all about the Jimmys and Joes. And last year, the Seahawks benefited. Both times they played the Rams, they didn't have to worry about number 99. Well, that is not going to be the case on Sunday. Aaron Donald is back, and that is obviously a huge difference maker for the Rams' defense as a whole. He is an elite interior pass rusher, maybe the best that's ever played the position. They move him around. But really, the run defense is also where they felt his absence last year, Rob. Five of the six games he missed with that ankle injury, they gave up 100 or more yards. In the 11 games he played in, they only gave up 100-plus rushing yards four times. So there is a stark difference when you have number 99 out there, not just rushing the passer, but defending the run. He's one of the best defensive players of all time. Seattle is going to have to deal with him. And so those double teams, making sure there's help, whoever's dealing with Aaron Donald, Seahawks have to have their game plan set up to do that. What I'm really curious about, though, we know what Aaron Donald is going to do. We know the type of player he is. What we don't know with this Rams team, and it's similar to the run game on offense, this is a team last year that ran – over 30% of their snaps in a 3-3-5 nickel look. But that was with Jalen Ramsey playing that star role where he can play in the slot, he can play up in the box, you can move him outside. Really that utilized all-field weapon. The Rams don't have another guy that can fill that void, at least in the same way that Jalen Ramsey did. And they don't have Bobby Wagner in the middle at linebacker either. So I'm wondering if we are going to see some some dramatic shifts in the types of scheme that we are going to see, the types of formations the Rams are going to be running because of the exodus of talent, proven veteran star talent they've had off of this defense. I think that there's a possibility of that, sure. Um, I think that you know, some of the guys that we kind of talked about that the Rams have to replace, I think that they that that L.A. has done a decent job of replacing them. And, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to replace a, a guy like a Jalen Ramsey with one player, of course. But, uh, you know, I think that there are some you know, sound uh, linebackers behind, uh, you know, behind the, the Rams front. I think that, you know, Greg Gaines is a player that we did not talk about a moment ago as far as being somebody that left but he was a, a significant part of the Rams' run defense. Well, Bobby Brown, big Bobby Brown, is a, is a guy that is going to be able to hold up. And you did mention Leonard Floyd, and that was, to me, 
one of the huge factors here is if you were going to try and dedicate two blockers to Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd was just going to eat you alive on the outside. They've got a, a young man, Byron Young, a pass rusher from Tennessee, came in right after, uh, you know, Daryl Taylor was there that has that same kind of initial burst and bend around the edge. That, to me, would be the biggest concern I think the Seahawks should have at this point is can you keep Geno Smith upright because there's Aaron Donald and you're going to know the name Byron Young by the end of set of Sunday's game. I promise you that. Yeah, they're really the big thing here for the Rams. They've got so many new faces on that defense. Offense, there's a little more continuity, but that defense, you look at a depth chart, uh, even guys like you and I that study the draft crazy, crazy meticulously, there might be a few names on there you're like, wait, who's this guy? Because they have gone out in left field. This is the price you pay when you go all in the way the Rams did. And this year, they've had to eat a lot of that money. They got big dead cap hits. They let go of a lot of stars. And so they're going to be counting on unsung young players to step in. Now, we've seen that work out for the Seahawks. It could certainly work out for the Rams. So don't take this team lightly. But this really is a case where, as well as the Seahawks know the Rams and they know Sean McVay, I feel like they're going to be a little bit more on their heels in terms of we don't know necessarily in week one what we're going to see just because the personnel, I think, could impact what the Rams are going to be doing on both sides of the football, especially if Cooper Cup is not playing for them on offense. Coming up next, we are going to shift gears to the Seahawks. We yesterday gave out our offensive predictions for the upcoming season. We're going to go to the good side of the ball, defense with some predictions coming up next here on our Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks, which is brought your way by our friends over at FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet. $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more each week. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. It's your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my coast in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Coming up on tomorrow's show, it is our first matchup Wednesday of the season. Everybody rejoice. It's our favorite show of the week. We love it. We can't wait to break down all the key matchups. And this year, Rob, it might feel a lot different because the Rams are a lot different. Won't be all the same faces that we normally talk about on matchup Wednesday heading into Seahawks versus Rams matchup. So should be a really fun episode. Make sure you are listening in. It's time for predictions. We had our offensive predictions yesterday. Today, we're going to shift to the better side of the football, the defensive side of the ball, and dish out some predictions for this upcoming season. And Rob, I know that your first one that you're going to be dishing out as a player that maybe the 12s are getting a little sick of hearing about today, because I think you've referenced him four or five times in the show, but get ready for number five or six here. <laughs> yeah, well, with Daryl Taylor, I, I just continue to be a believer and speed off the edge. And a year ago, uh, his second full season in the NFL, he, he contributed nine and a half sacks. And as you alluded to, uh, you know, he really caught fire down the stretch. And I think that that is going to be the case this year as well. I do expect that the Seahawks are going to be out in front of a, a number of ball games this year. And that is going to allow a natural pass rusher like Daryl Taylor, in my opinion, to have a possibility of putting up career numbers. That means double digit sacks. I, I would not be surprised at all if he winds it. In fact, that's what I've been predicting for a while now is Daryl 
Taylor is going to wind up leading this team in quarterback sacks. I'm sticking to that. I know that he has, you know, been basically held in bubble wrap throughout the entire preseason. But I think that once the real game start, once he recognizes that this is the last year of his rookie contract and he is playing for big dollars now, I think you're going to get a focused and faster Daryl Taylor. And I think that that results in a lot of quarterback sacks this year. Yeah, I actually was considering a very similar prediction, even though I don't think that Daryl Taylor is going to play a ton of snaps, maybe close to what he did last year, maybe a little more than that. I got to talk about the guy that's the reason why he's not going to be playing those snaps, though. And so for my first prediction here, Boye Mafe is going to make the Pro Bowl in year number two. And he's going to finish with seven and a half sacks and 12 tackles for loss. So I would agree with you that Daryl Taylor is going to get more sacks than Boye Mafe. But here's where the real difference is going to lie to me. Mafe is going to be the starter. He's going to play more snaps. We have seen already that he is a much better run defender. We saw in the preseason that he took another step forward, a guy that can be really disruptive, and he's still learning how to play the game. He's kind of got Reek Woolen syndrome up in the trenches, and he was the most improved player, according to Pete Carroll. He showed it in preseason games. So I think Boye Mafe, he's just one of those guys has so many natural tools that when it starts coming together, when that light switch comes on, I think you've got a very special player there on the defensive line. So you like Daryl Taylor. I like him to get sacks. I like Boye Mafe to do a little bit of everything, though, and get a lot of attention this year on that Seattle defensive line. Yeah, and if that is the case, then I really think that one of the things that one of my bolder predictions here, I think, is that um, is that the Seahawks defense in just as a whole is going to wind up being one of the best big play units in all of the NFL. I think that they're going to be top five in the NFL in terms of turnovers created. Now, whether that be because of the pass rushers, whether that be because of guys like Reek Woolen being able to pick off passes, guys like Devin Witherspoon being able to, you know. Uh, you know, basically force fumbles with their the, the colossal hits that they have. I think that you are going to see some splashy performances from Seattle's defense. Now, now notice that I'm saying top five in turnovers. I don't think that this is the Legion of Boom. I don't think this is going to necessarily be a top five defense. For the same reasons that you talked about before, we still have some concerns about Seattle's ability to hold up in the running game. But in terms of the flashy turnovers, it's all about the ball, as Pete Carroll would tell you, I, I really do think that Seattle is going to continue to make that ascent uh, this season. Yeah, I'm going to go to the defensive line for my second prediction. And this is maybe the one that some listeners will hear and think, ooh, this is not a good prediction. Not necessarily. It could be for good reasons, but it could be for bad reasons too. But this is how I anticipate things playing out. You mentioned Mario Edwards earlier, and I like Mario Edwards. I think he's a solid veteran. But my prediction is Miles Adams is going to end up starting more games than Mario Edwards. If you were at training camp, and Rob, I know you got to see a couple of practices this uh, summer, but I was there for a good portion of the training camp practices. I got to obviously watch the preseason games. There's just something about Miles Adams. The guy just every year takes incremental steps forward. And I thought he was one of the best players for the Seahawks on defense in the preseason that, again, was not getting talked about very much. And he's stout against the run. He plays with excellent technique. And oh, by the way, Cameron Young, even if he's healthy, there might be a few snaps at nose tackle for Miles Adams. He actually did fairly well there in limited action last season. So I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities to play. And I think at some point, 
I think that he's got more pass rushing upside. That's just my assessment looking at those two players. Mario Edwards, that's not been an area that he's had a lot of consistent success. I think Mario Edwards is a good player. I think Miles Adams, though, being the one holdover from last year, I think that this is the season that he's going to really prove to people, hey, I'm here to stay now. This is a, a roster spot that is mine. And not only that, I'm going to get into the lineup. Well, that's a perfect segue because you're talking about a guy who is trying to kind of ease concerns and prove that he belongs. I think that there's a lot of Seahawks fans out there who are wondering, is Jamal Adams ever going to prove that he belongs? Is he ever going to prove that he is worth a big contract and all of those draft picks that Seattle traded for them? I think that you are going to get a, a resounding answer that I don't know that it's necessarily it's going to happen in September. I think it's going to take some time. We saw even when Quandre Diggs got back onto the field immediately last year, coming off of the major injury it still took him some time to kind of round his way into form and he wound up playing at the pro bowl or all pro level at the end of last at the end of last season into the playoffs i think you're going to see the same thing here with jamal adams that they're going to take their time but when they get him onto the field they're going to creep him up at the lion's scrimmage because they had a year to really build him into the scheme in which they want i think that he's going to flourish in that regard to be honest with you as excited as i am about the upside of say a boy the consistency that is Nichiren Nuosu, all the expectations I have of Draymond Jones and all that. The player I'm most concerned about kind of knocking Daryl Taylor off the mantle in terms of the pass rush and sack numbers is actually number 33, Jamal Adams. I think that Seattle, again, is going to have one of the most dynamic, big play, most exciting defenses in all of the league. And I think that Jamal Adams is going to be a big part of that. We opened the season talking about rookie injuries or opened this episode talking about rookie injuries. We are going to cap off the episode talking about rookie injuries. And I mentioned earlier my optimism that Devin Witherspoon was going to find a way to play this weekend. We'll see. Maybe Pete Carroll will say tomorrow, hey, we got him on the field practicing, but we don't think he's quite ready. And that wouldn't surprise me. But I also would not be surprised at all if he's playing in this game. Looking from a big picture perspective, though, for me, I know a lot of fans are already out there. He's been injured all the training camp. That was a terrible draft pick. We should have picked Jalen Carter. Devin Witherspoon is still going to show all of you why the Seahawks made a good selection. And I don't have him winning Rookie of the Year because I do think early on in the season he could potentially miss a few games. But I think he is going to be the second straight corner, rookie corner for the Seahawks to finish as a finalist for Rookie of the Year balloting. This kid has too much talent and he's got too many instincts for him to not come in and make an impact, whether that's in the slot or eventually going outside. It looks like Trey Brown's going to be starting at left cornerback. If I'm Trey Brown, though, you better be ready in the rearview mirror because Devin Witherspoon, when he's healthy, he is going to be gunning for that spot. And if he's playing the nickel, he can be a disruptive player, too. So I still think there's going to be a big rookie season for Devin Witherspoon. And you know once he gets into game action, this kid is as competitive as they come. He's going to be looking to go out and prove the Seahawks made a good selection drafting him at fifth overall. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, it's our first matchup Wednesday of the 2023 season. We're fired up to break down all the matchups on offense and defense, maybe even sprinkle some special teams in heading into this matchup between the Seahawks and the Rams in week one. You won't want to miss and enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, and thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.